Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and we have two fun games to talk about this week. We have a Tottenham, a 3-2 Tottenham victory over uh, Boardmouth and a 2-1 victory over Olympic Marseille to talk about. Uh, and, yeah, we're just going to jump right into it. Joining me this week is my most reliable co-host, uh, coming to us from the uh, slopes of South Florida. It is Brian Ashlock. Brian, how are you doing this week? Uh, really great. Tottenham continue to win. Totally nothing bad or weird about the club at all. Um, just good vibes, you know? Um, yeah, uh, Ben is not with us this week as he is putting the work into his marriage that will be required for it to survive an Arsenal title challenge. So, uh, we wish him luck with that, but we are here, uh, heedless of our own marriages to talk about Tottenham Hotspur. It is, uh, uh, you know, speaking of things that bring strife into the home, uh, it is Tottenham Hotspur. We had two games that ended really well, but. I don't know. I can't shake the feel. I don't want to be a doomonger or like totally miserable, but it's it's hard to shake the feel like these games shouldn't have been at least a little more comfortable. I mean, I don't think the score. I mean, obviously a three two against Bournemouth sends up some red flags, but I, I think a, that two one against Marseille is a, it's a flattering scoreline. Yeah, I, I mean, basically spent. I don't know, 182 or 183 minutes in just like absolute misery, hating our teams. And then probably what in five minutes in across those two matches, just being like, Hey, we're winning. Well, you know, it's funny because I feel like there's a conversation that I don't know if fans of other teams do that. Certainly this is a conversation I see a lot of Spurs fans having like, Oh, I'd rather be fun and lose than like play like this and win and it's yeah first of all i always feel like that's kind of a bad sentiment because like trust me if we were like what was that year blackpool got promoted to the premier league and just like we're like all gas no break and got comfortably relegated like it was yeah i don't think that is fun but i i do understand the point about style and what you have to watch I, i i think we could sit here all day and you know, I think there's some caveats. I mean, breaks you could cut this team, but the fact of the matter is, I mean, I think these both of these games followed a certain pattern, which is, you know, we're going to come out, we're not up for this, we're going to defend and not create a lot of chances, uh-oh, we're going to go behind, and then sometime around halftime, we're going to have a wake-up call and start taking it to the other team, but it's maybe not as, like, robust enough to justify how bad the early part of the game was. And, you know, at that point, they're going to exercise a measure of control and slowly claw our way back. But it's, you know, it's just, I don't know. I don't know what it is about this team. I don't know if it's because Kulishevsky's not hurt or because Kulishevsky's not healthy or because 
Sun's out of form or because we don't have enough passers in the midfield or because Romero's not healthy or all of the above or some combination of all of them. I mean, there's certainly some justifications for why we are not a finely tuned machine right now, but it is frustrating to watch. Yeah, I mean, so so to, I guess, talk about the games in uh, instead of, like, quite, like, just general things about the season, um, you know, both of them, you know, started with, like you said, not really there, kind of asleep, and you give up early sloppy goals, and, you know, you, you look at the team out what is interesting or what can we do to change things up and we've talked on this show about plan b's and uh, i i don't know i i don't know how to not cover ground that we haven't already covered i don't i mean on I, these two matches I, I think fundamentally it comes down to the players like i mean there's issues with the with the formations i mean you know you look at today's marseille match and I don't think any of us like love the idea of Lucas starting. I think we would all rather have like if you're going to play a three four three, let's get Brian Heal in there and like let him cook a little bit. You know, I kind of understand on a certain level like Brian Heal is young, unproven, and you know hasn't gone on cycle yet. But you know, and Lucas Moore is a veteran, and I get that there's a certain level of trust you place in that. But like that is a functional ish formation, even with Lucas there, even with all the problems Lucas brings. I mean, there's there's just like a level at which it's like, I, I don't care if Romero is a better center back than whoever you've got out on the right. It's you guys have got to play. You got to be more alert. You got to be more up for it. I mean, you know, I think there's a difference between like, oh, that final ball's just not coming off, and like just an utter inability to sort of control a match or present a threat. And I think that's what we're seeing early in matches. And we like even in these matches that haven't been the most entertaining to watch, it's not like this team is incapable of doing it later on, because we saw them do it today. Um it's it's but like you said, it's just it's <laughs> they're just not coming out. And you know, you can even almost understand it again. I mean, it's not good, but you know, you're playing Bournemouth, you know, oh you're Tottenham, you feel like you should sort of steamroll Bournemouth, you're a better team than them. Like, I can kind of understand some complacency there, but, like, you know, I don't know what you were doing with this Marseille match. Maybe you're cagey. Maybe you kept awake by fireworks. I mean, you know, this was an important match, and I know it's on the road in an intimidating atmosphere, but still, I mean, just coming out like you're sleepwalking is, I don't know, like you said, I don't know what to say. We've talked about a million things on this podcast. I am confident the coaching staff is not ignoring this stuff, but. Yeah, I think. I think about something that that I find most concerning for for the from these two matches is is just the listlessness that we see in the first half or or the first fifteen twenty minutes like however you want to break it down, um, and I don't know if that's a function of game plan or you know mental fatigue or eyes on the World Cup or whatever, but as a fan, it's certainly the most frustrating part to watch because doing things like you know looking at twitter body language accounts looking at you know looking into you know who's shaking whose hand as they walk off the field you know and and just trying to read into like oh is is are these players washed are they exhausted like what's the deal it it just seems 
I don't know. Like, especially today. Today was you needed some sort of result. You needed a draw or better to progress. And then to come out that flat, regardless of, you know, fireworks outside the hotel or whatever. Like, or even just being cagey and a big You had all day to get rest or get ready. Like, I, I just, it's so hard to watch when we, we are that flat. And it's, it's happening a lot. And it's, I mean, that, I mean, from a fan experience, it's frustrating. And I mean, maybe this says more about the fans we associate with, but like yeah. everybody's ready to jump off a window, jump off a ledge while slitting their wrists, you know, when, you know, when it starts going like that. And it's, you know, because it's just like, I, I don't know about you. It's like, I can't shake this feeling. And I don't think it's true, but it's a feeling. Like this team just needs something to sort of get them off the schneid. Like they, they need something to sort of jar them you know, awake. And I mean it in a positive way. Like, you know, I was hoping like that Bournemouth result would be it. like, yeah, we shouldn't have been in that situation, but like you're down two nil in the 50th, 55th minute or whatever it was. And like, you claw your way back to win that game. Like I was kind of hoping that would be it. Maybe this will be it. Maybe winning extremely late against Marseille will and advancing to the, to the, uh, to the last 16 at the top of our group. Maybe that'll do it. I don't know. But they're just so listless, and we've seen them experiment tactically. It just, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is. And like you said, I don't want to repeat ourselves, but it's kind of hard not to. But, you know, you, you hope results like this can maybe sort of, you know, jar the team out of whatever stupor they're in. Because it is, like, for all the misery we've had over the last few weeks and during these games, like, very exciting moments. Like at the at, at, at a minimum, I'm I'm at least getting that sort of that endorphin shot at the end of these matches. Yeah, and you know the team should be commended for coming back from the deficits yes. that they did, and you know implementing Plan B, even though Plan B was just do Plan A better. Like they did a good job this week. Qualified first out of the group in the Champions League. I mean, you know, like this is exactly what we want, and and. You know, I, I, I'm like you. I want to think that, you know, uh, us turning around negative situations into, you know, big victory on the road against Bournemouth or, you know, qualifying for the Champions League. I want us to turn those things around and use that to generate momentum. But it just seems to kind of maintain the inertia of where we're at, which is so frustrating. I almost think they need a bad thing to happen. We had a bad like, thing happen to us. Like I don't know. I think we need we a got, more We got bad embarrassed thing. by Newcastle. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think we should shoot for like losing to Liverpool 7 no, or 8-0. No, no. um, but yeah, I, it's just... It's good because the players are reacting in game and like we're out stuff that seems to work at times. It's bad because like why isn't it working the rest of the time? Why are you making us suffer for ninety minutes every game? Um, I, I just I don't know. It's so hard to watch, and it's just again I think what makes it I think it would be frustrating no matter what, but it's just. We figured it out last year. Like, we've seen these players with this manager play really well. And I know I'm a broken record, but it's, it's, ugh, it, it, it's, it's irritating. And it makes it harder because, like, you, you look at these, like, again, these two games are perfect examples. Like, there are large stretches in these games. And I think it's worth pointing out, and we should talk about this. Spurs played well, I think, against Marseille today. I think, I would say the entire second half, Spurs, I think, were 
by a comfortable... I mean, you might disagree with me. But I think we were comfortably the better team in the second half. I think we were creating dangerous yeah. opportunities. I think Marseille's spells of possession weren't outrageously threatening um, beyond just, you know, you're a team and you're, you're a fan and your brain locks up when another team is attacking you. Um, you know, I think Marseille was incredibly lucky. I mean, you could say we were lucky Marseille didn't score more goals at the first in the first half. I think Marseille was very lucky that we didn't score another goal or two. Um, like Harry Kane's brain locking up in the box. I mean, Pal uh, Lopez getting a hand on the ball that really deflect. I mean, Kane would have just tapped it into the net if that doesn't happen. I mean, I think again, I don't think it was like the most scintillating football I've ever watched. But I think Spurs played well in the second half. I think. After Bournemouth's second goal, I think Spurs played well in that game. You know, I mean, I would like to see more open play goals from this team, but I'll take them how I can get them. And, yeah, I just think, you know, I don't know. Like, they've got it in them. Like, at a minimum, they've got this, like, competent, positive-ish play in them. And I just, I don't know why. I don't expect them to be, again, I don't expect this team to be 2011 Barcelona. Like, I'm not unrealistic in terms of, like, what we are capable of. I do expect this team to be a little more positive and a little less, like, you know, doing rear guard action for the entire time. Doing it poorly, which is the problem. We're not even doing that well some of the time now. So one of the things you said there is, um, you know, uh, talking about scoring from open play. Uh, Are you at all concerned? about our reliance on set piece goals to like get us back into these games because no because for me go ahead yeah well go well, it's okay so for me i it concerns me a little bit even though it's a totally viable strategy and lots of teams have done it like depending on getting corners and using those to create good chances that's fine it, it does concern me because like you were saying about the style of play where we don't seem clinical we have brain farts from players who don't have brain farts we have bad touches from players who don't usually have bad touches. Um, like, I, I I find if, like, our plan to get back into games is, hey, we're going to score two goals from a corner kick every game, I don't know that that's sustainable. I don't know if it's sustainable. I mean, the thing that makes me feel a little bit about it is, like, this is clearly something we're working on. It's not just, like, you know... Like, I remember under Pochettino a few years... Like, I think the first year Toby was here there was this sort of pick play we would run with Toby in the box and it kind of worked for a few matches. And again, I'm, I haven't watched that team in a while now, but it felt like that was our one neat trick. You know what I mean? Like, like we did other stuff, but like that was our, it felt like that was the only scripted play we were running. Whereas like, I'm consistently impressed with what we're doing on set pieces this year. Like in terms of like the way we're getting keen open looks the way we're creating them. I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you can definitely see this is something Spurs have worked on, and it might be the only thing, I mean, I guess defending, depending on how you look at it, but certainly the one thing we're really excelling at this year. Um, I would not like to not rely on it, just because I think that's a little, di- there, there's some level of variance in there that you can't control. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'd like to see more open get, open play goals, just because I feel like that makes us a better team, but I am comfortable with how we're performing on set pieces i think it's good um but like like you i think what you're implying here is our luck might run out sooner or later and that is you know but you could say that about our open play goals right now i mean kane 
I mean, how many how many balls has Kane has Son lost in, under his feet this year in the box? Or Kane did it today. Like he fell over himself on a, you know he scores a goal there nine times out of ten. It's you know. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong with with respect to you know the our, our luck. I just, I guess the thing for me is is like it's great that we're embracing you know modern coaching and utilize you know getting any sort of gains we can from that and. I love that Twitter is always excited about uh, VO every time we do something cool on a set piece. Um, but but the, it's just makes these games um, more like watching like Tony Pulis Stoke City. Uh, and, and I know that's. But it doesn't like, have to be. It doesn't. This doesn't have to be a binary. Is the thing that annoys right. me. Right, and I understand that. But like, it, it's just it it really does feel that way because you kind of have the p- slow plotting counterattacking play. You're sitting deep, you're trying crosses. Like, I mean, it is very frustrating to me that our like attempt to get back into the game against Bournemouth specifically was hammer crosses into the box and we'll see what happens. And I don't know. I, I mean, just, those were two they, really good. I mean, they were really good goals. They were really good goals. So they were. They were great. Sessegnon's was great. Well, that was that was, that was open play. So fair um, enough, Sessegnon. That was open play. That's true. Yeah, he gets that from open play. Um, but I don't know. I just. I mean, there's something like it's weird because you look at like you know you look at long lay today and he get he finally gets one and it's a really nice header and it's you know like he's sort of he, looking like a pickup artist out there putting the ball in the corner of the net it's you know it's, it's really nice it's effective like the way they handle it is good uh you know you look at like ben davies goal against against uh bournemouth like they're they're doing all the things you want to see them doing but it's just not as exciting as hoybert getting like one-on-one with the keeper from like 40 yards out and running him down or Sessegnon cutting inside and, you know, putting it in the, in the corner. It's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's working. And it's just, I don't think, you know, again, I don't think one has to be the expense of the other. And I just, you know, we need to, I think you need to figure out how to do open play goal, get some more open play goals, just because if you want to be where Tottenham want to be, I think you need to live off of both of these things. Like, Right, like I would like us to be doing as well on set pieces as we are, and then also playing from open play the way we played at the end of last year. So I, you know, five well, goals every game, three from open play, two from set pieces. I sign me up. That sounds great. Yeah, it's just, I, the set pieces are working really well, and. You know, you could see it today, and today was an interesting thing. I don't know if Spurs were doing this on purpose. They should have been. You know, when you've got a keeper like Paul Lopez in goal, like you just start taking pot shots at goal and see what happens because sooner or later he's going to drop one. But I, I don't know. It's 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 again. I think we're really crying out for passers and people who can progress the ball. And the fact that you know, I think there's been a lot of focus on Kulishevsky missing, and I think that hurts us. But. You know, I think Romero's been out, and if he hasn't been out of the team, I feel like he's been kind of out to lunch a little bit this year. I think he's got one eye on the World Cup. I mean, you know, Sun goes out today. You don't have Charleston to come on for him, which is like the reason you bought him was to bring him on in situations like that. And, of course, he's not available. Um, 
you know, it's, I don't know. There are some sort of hard luck, you know, Tottenham have had some hard luck with injuries this year, um, you know, but at the same time, I don't think we look as focused as other teams we play all for, at least for large portions of the match. Yeah. I, it, it's been kind of hard watching the, the two teams that are actually ahead of us in the table in Arsenal and Manchester city. Um, and and see them be that kind of focus that you're talking about where you know um you know arsenal i think has had kind of a a weird run lately where they they've kind of let their foot off their gas but they've gotten like some really good var luck like against leeds um and then you know coming up against you know kind of a crappy nottingham forest team at the right time uh we just haven't gotten any of those games. Like we haven't gotten any of those games where we go out there and we play someone like a Nottingham Forest off the park, or you know where. I mean, Southampton to start the season's about it. Yeah, and, and and certainly none like lately on this what what has felt like a real slog of a run, and and ultimately has been mostly fine results wise, um, but it, it is. It's just absolutely has zero fun games included well, in it. Now, and maybe we'd feel different about it if the Newcastle match doesn't go that way. If we look a little bit better against Manchester United, I don't know. But like, ugh. I mean, we drop those two. We drop points in those games. At least one of which. I mean, both of which I think people are expecting Spurs to get more out of. And we're still we're in third place. We're in the last sixteen of the Champions League. I mean, it's you know. I, again, what you hope is that one way or another they can sort stuff out over the World Cup break and, you know, some mixture of players come back focused, some players come back healthier, and you maybe make some additions to the team. We, we were linked with uh, Malinovsky, is that, was that his name? We were linked with Malinovsky out of um, Atlanta, and he's hardly a game changer, but Jesus, just having like a, a midfielder you can bring off the bench, you can pass the ball, I mean... I think Bentoncourt is great. I think Hoybjerg are great. I think Skip has been really bright in his cameos for us this year. And I thought Basuma has, you know, he's not what we wanted him to be. But, you know, I think, again, I think they're all very similar players. And, you know, I think we were kind of hoping we could work around that or maybe Basuma bring some dynamism going forward. But that hasn't really happened. So with the struggles of our fullbacks, we're really – you know, we're not moving the ball around like we would like to this year. And, you know, you just hope that we can sort of deal with that over the winter break. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, you hope that Kulisevsky comes back healthy. You hope that Richarlison gets healthy. Yeah, but then and, these guys go to the World Cup. So, I mean, it's going to be a whole new season because. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think um, you, you have to hope you've, we've got three matches between now and the winter break. It's Liverpool, it's, what, Forest in the Cup, and somebody else after that, uh, Leeds. And Leeds, and then we don't play again until the day after Christmas. So, I mean, we've got some time to make some plans and figure out who's coming in and what we're going to do. Um, like, who knows what that game's going to look like? Because I wouldn't be shocked if, like, Kane's not playing, you know, or Charles. I'll bet yeah. a lot of these guys just aren't going to be fit. 
Yeah, I mean, it's really going to depend, I think, on performance. Like if England or Brazil or something go out in, you know, a quarterfinal or, or something or even earlier, then, yeah, then probably they'll be playing. But, yeah, I mean, like Sonny will probably be fine, uh, you know, injury today. Well, who knows uh, if he'll even, you know, I mean, I'm sure he'll play in the World Cup, but, like, maybe he shouldn't yeah. be playing in the World Cup. Maybe not. Um, so, I don't know. But I, I think you're right. I think the the big thing that I took away from these two matches is we just don't have any level of dynamism in the midfield and it's really holding us back. Um, you know, the, there's not a plan for ball progression, whether, you know, the plan used to be just the patterns and I don't know, the patterns aren't working right now. Um, or we don't have the players that are executing the patterns well enough for it to work. Uh, but you know, it, it, and I think Bentoncourt has played really well in these yeah. last few games. I think he's been the, the uh, star of the star of all the, of our last, it's been a rough couple of weeks, but I think he's played excellent for most of it. And so, and, and Hoiberg, I think has played well in, in, in certain matches this year. And I mean, he's scored some good and important goals. So I, I you know, I, I, I don't want to like bag on those guys. And I think Basuma's played actually better in the, in the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm like you, just none of them have that one standout ability when it comes to ball progression. Well, that's the thing. Like, think about if you're constructing a roster in, like, Football Manager or FIFA or whatever, and you've got Bentoncourt or Hoiberg. Like, no matter what kind of formation you're running, I think in your head as you're constructing that team, you're, you're, you're pairing them with a more progressive midfielder, whether that's a guy like Dembele who can dribble or a guy like Modric who can – you know, ping balls around, like, you know, you're, the idea is you, you've, they're sort of there to do the dirty work, and then you've got a progressive midfielder next to them who can, who can you know, advance play, and, you know, and Bentoncourt in particular is someone I think would really thrive with someone like that next to him, because Bentoncourt can get on his, I mean, Hoybier can do it too, but, you know, I think Bentoncourt in particular is really good about, like, you know, he can pick the right moment for a pass, he, he's really good about carrying the ball forward, He's actually had some nice crosses off the right when he sort of gets upfield the last few weeks. But, yeah, I mean, and they're fine. It's just I don't think it does either of them any favors. Like, this isn't meant to, you know, I, I know we've been complimenting Bentoncourt. I'm, I'm not trying to pick on Hoybier, who gave us a very nice moment today. Uh, but, yeah, it's because uh, I think Hoybier in some ways is, I think he's definitely more of a scoring threat going forward. It's just I don't think that pairing does either of them any favors. No, I agree. And, and I think, look, we've seen just on the basis of the last, I don't know, about year of football, that it's fine and viable as a pairing. Like, it's okay. And in certain matches, it might even be good. But you're right. Overall, there's just not whatever that other dynamic thing is. Um, and, and, you know, playing them in a 3-5-2 with Basuma has freed them both up to do a lot more of the attacking stuff and it has been in terms of results a lot better than I would have thought. Um, but like the progression from either of them just still isn't there. And, 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 and that's the problem is, is especially if you're going to play a three, that third person should be someone who does at least something interesting or tries to, well, and, and I mean, I mean Skip let's... has done that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Skip's definitely, like I said, he's, he's had a little more pep in his step than I, kind of remember him having but again it's just it's been about a year since he's played so i think that might be it but you know i think hoiberg i mean they, they both i mean uh, benton i think showed you some of what he can do especially in the bournemouth game but 
you know, I think like today was a perfect example. It makes Hoiberg a really valuable midfielder. I think he's going to work his ass off. I think he's very good for a robust challenge. And when he gets an opportunity to sort of, you know, cause chaos upfield, he'll do it. And I thought that was a really well-taken goal um, to end the match. And it's a really important goal, um, I think, in our season. And I think that is what he can offer you. It's just sort of like, you know, you just wish there was something else that could go with him to, like, you know, help him out. You know, I'll say this about Hoiberg. He has had some really, really good shots this season. Yeah. Like, the the I forget who the goal early in the season was against, but he hits that curler in one of the first couple games of the season to win the game. Um, well, he pinged one off the crossbar today, too, didn't he? I think. Uh, he did. Yep, he hit the crossbar. And, I mean, then he on this one, I think he banged it in off the upright. Um, and... I, <laughs> It's not where I want him to be. I didn't, you know, if a, if a chance falls to him, I'm always still like, oh god. Um, but he he can hit the target at least, and uh, like you said earlier, that's that's really kind of what you needed to do against Paul Lopez today. Uh, but Paul Lopez, yeah, is, it, I, I I don't understand how that man keeps stealing money from top flight football teams. I mean, he was. I saw him play. He played a season or two for my boyhood club Real Betis and I watched him give up two goals to Getafe who are like football terrorists he somehow got sold for money to Roma who then sold him for more money to Marseille like I don't understand why this keeps happening like you know like we have had several backup keepers since him that are better than he is and let's you know, I'd rather have Joe Hart in gold than than Paul Lopez he is extremely mm. bad and even then he made he did make like a really you know like 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 we were saying earlier like Kane would have could have put us 2-1 up in like not long after our goal if like Lopez sort of doesn't get a hand on Emerson's cross speaking of which let's let's stop right there cuz we really haven't gotten too much into the games and this is all very scattershot Emerson Royale, we need to we need to give him some flowers because this on this podcast we you know say nasty things about him. We might threaten to do things to his family when certain other people on the podcast are with us. Um, you know, I thought he I mean he came on in the second half and you know every everyone I know who watches Spurs was rolling their eyes and groaning and it was just another thing to get mad about and you know I'm probably not exempt from that but. You know, I don't know if it's because Marseille was asleep at the switch or his outstanding play, but he came on. He played real well. I mean, he kept putting dangerous balls in the box. I think he was unlucky not to get some of those assists. I mean, he was really – I thought he was really good today. Yeah, I mean – I mean, we're operating on a curve, but, like, I think think it deserves mention considering how much we slaughter him on this podcast. I I don't think you and I are terribly unkind to him. Um, I think we're both – pretty realistic yeah, we have to, we have to, is we have to assume responsibility for what is said on this podcast and even when uh those okay. uh those people aren't here <laughs> uh, look you know he he's been fine and and if he's not a, a total negative in the attack um i think you're and he's and he's a plus on defense i think that's probably a fine performance for you and you know he made a couple of nice crosses today um, he's still, uh, having difficulties with, uh, his, his attempts to win fouls from referees. I think that's something he needs to work on, but at the end of the day, that that's still probably the easiest position for us to get some improvement out of. Absolutely. 
and I don't know, look, you know, Doherty and Spence and, um, we got a real, we got a real, either of them are necessarily the solution, but I mean, there's that guy from sporting who like everyone and I, every, every Spurs fan I know wants to buy that guy. And yeah, he's, he's been very good against us. He has an extremely Um, punchable face, like just an enormously punchable. face. So does long clay. (laughs) Yeah, that's true too. I mean, you know, you called him a pickup artist. I think of him as someone who enjoys close-up magic. Like, it's a very... Brian, What these are the, these are the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are, honestly. Um, you know, I think in the, um, in the Bournemouth match, we just really needed some sort of out wide because Bournemouth seemed so content to sit back and soak up pressure. And... And so when when you have Emerson out there doing his Emerson stuff, that's very annoying. Um, especially when you could have, you know, Jed Spence go run at him for a little bit. Um, which I don't know that that's better. But if they're not putting any pressure on you, why have someone out there whose main skill is stopping counterattacks and being a good defender? I mean, you're right. That, that was more valuable against Marseille than... Bournemouth. <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I just... It's a, it's a weird and uh, frustrating game. And and Conte, we we have to just keep kind of going, okay, he's going to figure this out, or we have, we have to have faith in him, or faith in Paratici to fix it in January or something. And it's... Uh, it's getting tougher and tougher to do that because the early season where we were like, oh, we've seen this team be good... You know, the time that we were good is starting to get further and further yeah. from our memories. I think the performance is also degraded a little bit. And I think you could maybe tie that a little more explicitly to the injuries that we've suffered. I mean, it has been getting a little thinner. Um, you know, we're getting less Romero. Obviously, it's been a while since Kulishevsky's been in. I, I thought, I mean, you might, I'm curious what you think. This is my most, you know, I, and I guess as a father, I'm allowed to have a your da take. Um I feel like both of these games in particular, maybe all of our games on this current stretch, I don't know tactically if he solves anything, but I feel like putting Richarlson in there, letting him sort of boil the other team's piss and mix it up would have, I don't know what it would have made. I feel like certainly against Bournemouth it would have made a difference. Um, maybe that's not exactly what we needed, but like from an attitude perspective, again, it's like, I mean, there's the tactical thing and putting him in sort of a front three with Son and Kane, we've seen that causes its own problems, but... On the other hand, we've talked about intangibles and how flat this team looks at times. And, you know, I guess he's probably not totally exempt from that, but, you know, I think it has gotten worse lately, and I feel like a player like him might help. I don't know. At least, like, make things a little more lively because he is likely to, you know, I mean, he is someone who works hard and, you know, will rile other teams up. So. I don't know. I, I felt this week in particular he would have been a helpful player. Certainly today when Sun went down, if you could have just made a like-for-like like sub right there, that would have been, you know, useful. Yeah. I, I don't know. I It's going to be a whole different game in three months when the season's finally back. Like, And we don't have a World know, Cup. I, know, I, I, mean, I mean, that's going to be a different thing. Like, who's shattered from the World Cup, who's injured from the World Cup, who's, you know, whatever. But at least, like, you know, we won't be like, get this feeling like Romero is holding back or playing hurt because of the world cup or whatever. Yeah. And, and I mean, look, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what it forces some teams into 
um, you know, like in terms of like players getting injured or, or things like that. You know, if, for example, if, if Harry Kane or Hungman's son comes back with a, with an injury, you know, knock on wood, that's going to keep them out the rest of the season. Do Spurs do something? You know, if, if Larice gets injured and is going to be out for a number of months, do you do something, you know, uh, and, and, then there's tons of other top flight clubs that are asking those same questions. And, you know, what dominoes does that force to fall and so on and so forth. So this season is so weird and so unprecedented just in terms of, you know, the timing of things, but then also the two games a week for most of these top clubs. Like it's going to be a whole different animal when we come back or or December or January. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be like, we're going to lose some problems, but we might gain others. So, yeah, and I mean, it it certainly seems like we're we're making an attempt to make deep runs in in all the cups and you know, Champions League and FA Cup and League Cup. That's that's more uh, midweek matches. I don't. Maybe you're almost better off going out in the in the early rounds. Of I mean, the I FA wouldn't care if we put the kids out for the League Cup. Um, yeah. Uh, so one thing I want to ask you about uh, in these matches is we didn't get a lot of Brian Heal after what looked like a Brian heel Um Certainly everyone's calling for him. I know a lot of that is just, God, it's dull and let's try something different. I, I don't know. Do you think he actually would have, like, like we talk about putting him on instead of Lucas Mora. I mean, like, yeah, we're all tired think... of Lucas Mora, but would it have actually been a better choice? I think in in that specific instance, yes. Like I think he does more to uh, help with your ball progression than than Lucas Moore does. We have like two seasons of evidence that Lucas Moore is not a good ball progressor, and I, I I'm like you. I'm about as lukewarm as you can be on on Brian Heal, and I, I don't think that he's our X factor or game changer, but um, he he does do something different. He shows for the ball, he dribbles, he passes, he attempts to do fu- things that are fun and interesting and are probably not in the patterns. And I don't know. You can't. I, I understand why Conte would not to continue to give him minutes just because, like, he's not going to do plan A and Lucas will do plan A, even if Lucas does a horrible job at it. You know, it's. I, I actually do understand why Conte is like trying to get back to the three four three, and he's like, "I'm going to put a forward up there." And I get, on some level, especially today, where like you know, this is an important match. This is an intimidating road atmosphere. I, I understand why he's going with a veteran against Mar- at least to start the match. Like, I, I get it. I, I, I might not like it, but I understand it. The Bournemouth match is where I have a few more problems with that because it's like a and again, we did not play well, so. You know, but it's like, it's Bournemouth. Like, if there's a time to reward a guy for playing well. And it does feel like there's been some recognition of by Conte that, like, Peel does have a role on this team. And there is stuff he can do. And I don't know. Like I said, I would have liked to have seen him earlier in this match, um, like, as a substitute. But... Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to, I'd like to see him get a start at some point, um, just to see what it can do. Because I feel like again and again, like Liverpool's another example. I will not be like stunned or angry if Brian Heels doesn't start against Liverpool because I think Heels' defensive work is suspect. I think you know he's not as disciplined. Uh, you know, Lucas has problems, but he'll track back at least. And you know, and Lucas is like you know he's been in big games, and I know that sounds stupid, but 
it is something, you know, I think there's like a floor that he recognizes with Lucas. And I think where Brian Heal's floor is a little more variable. Yeah, and I, I think the the on the Bournemouth game and Heal not getting to play there, I think it's also more galling because, like, we rotated so much of the rest of the squad. You know, Longley goes out and plays center defensive back. Uh, Davis and Davinson play on either side. Uh, you know, Emerson, like we were talking about earlier, comes back into the team. Skip gets a start. Like... That was a, that was a perfectly. It was fine to rotate everywhere else, but it wasn't fine to rotate in Brian. And Hill. it's like I don't know. Maybe you want to do it at home. I don't, uh, it's just like I feel like that kid's earned a start. Like, and again, it has to be the right game. But like, I mean, I I think we're acting like he's like some unproven like sixteen year old from the academy and not someone he just who's looks played, like one. He just looks. He like does, one. but like he's also someone who's played like multiple professional seasons in the you know La Liga, like. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, he's not that slight. I mean, sure. I mean, you know, his his build or whatever. Like, I'm just talking about you know from a mental perspective or from like a like there shouldn't be any um, like coach put on restrainers or limits on this. Like, it shouldn't have to be at home. It shouldn't have to be against some small team. Like, he's he's played for Sevilla in the Seville Derby. He's played for, you know, he's played in big matches. He played in the Cup like, Final in Spain last year. I mean, you know, I mean, he played for the Cup, he played with Valencia in the Copa del Rey Final. It's like, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Like, I just think it's a different look, and God, I want us to try something else. And frankly, I'm like a little, you know, like Brian Hill's happy on Instagram again. Like, I would just like it to work out for Brian Hill. I don't think it will, but like, you know, I would like him to. I would like it to work out for him. I just want ah. to see something fun. I yeah. want to see something interesting. Uh, just like somebody. So I want to, I want to see somebody try Rabona so bad. Like just do something cool. Well, that that was where it stood out because like I think he stands out. Like he's like he's running down balls that get loose. He's falling over in the box. Like it's it's just like you know it's it, it's it's like watching a dog chase a car. It's like you know. I mean, it's like watching like. Eric Lamella when he first came over. No, because Eric Lamella was just like I mean, it's like a ball of energy. It's what it's like watching. It's, I mean, it, Brian Hill. If if instead of learning or learning how to eat more calories instead of packing on weight, if all he did was like work on getting sharper elbows and just being like ten percent better of a shithouser, he would he would definitely be Eric Lamella's replacement. Got to just. Got to put those elbows to the grindstone. So let's uh, let's let's wrap this up on a positive note. Um, we saw two, I thought, pretty impressive winners uh, this week. Uh, I thought Bentoncourt. That was like that was the kind of like caressed shot that I don't feel like you see very often. It was a very well taken shot that um, beautiful went in. And then you've got you know Hoiberg's like I don't know. Thunder, thunder bastard. I don't feel like is a plot applies, but you know, really, no. really well taken long distance winner there. Uh, where, where does I think if either is going to stick in the memory? I think it's Hoybjerg's because you know there were so much, so many implications for that goal. But like, what are your favorite last minute Spurs winner? I mean, I think there's two that stand out in every Spurs fan's mind. But like, getting uh, the Ajax game and the uh, West Ham game out of the way. Like, what what other last minute winners? Really stand out for you, yeah, Spurs fan. I was gonna say the West Ham game. Yeah, uh, IX. Um, yeah, those are the two that I, I recall offhand. I don't. 
because you know some of the good winners that we had against um, uh, the Harry Redknapp era um, against Arsenal. Um, I don't think those were like last minute. Like, what? When did we start last minute? Like, you know, the the Lucas one really feels like the most last minute it can get. Um, I don't know, like. It's hard to pick other ones, but I think I, I think you're right though that this week's the one against Marseille is the one that's probably going to have the bigger implications for the season, and is cooler. Uh, we we spoke about a little bit about my disdain for set piece goals earlier, and uh, so you know the that that's a point against the Bentoncourt one. Uh, also, the the Marseille one just has the the just sheer stupidity of Marseille in terms of how they had position themselves after their own throw-in like how was there no one else back there at that point like it was it was it was very bad it was very very bad i think there's a last minute winner besides the obvious ones that sticks out to me it's son's last minute winner against watford in his first season which was a pretty yep fun one i remember watching that over the holiday break at the in-laws house and that was pretty enjoyable um i think going back to that marseille i think the other thing that really like gave me a bit a nice hearty chuckle at the end of that match was watching all the Marseille players sort of collapse to the ground just like it reminded me of the Ajax game where it just you know it's just like really satisfying about last minute winner not only watching your own team celebrate but watching it just utterly destroy the other team and I feel like we haven't had that one of those in a minute (laughs) um maybe it's the list we need to psychologically destroy another team exactly exactly how how um you used to be a pretty avid. Fr- or I don't know if you still are an avid French football watcher. How 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 uh, typical was this of Marseille? Yeah, super typical. <laughs> uh, this is like their whole thing. Um, uh, just you know, there was a point I think during the day that they were top of the group. I think when they went ahead and the Sporting Frankfurt match was at that time a draw. I think Marseille was top of the group for a few minutes. Um, you know, and and to have them now lose this game that late, and then now not even finish third to drop down to the Europa League, fourth and just be done. Um, I don't know. It, that's not. It's not. It's not the way you want to end your European campaign. Well, but that team be. has a whole lot of other problems. Like their managers under fire. The manager they had to hire because the other guy quit at the beginning of the season because he wasn't being backed. Yeah. Their fans are angry, although I get this feeling that it's more of a perpetual state of being for them. Uh, like, imagine how Spurs fans have been for the last like three weeks. I think Marseille fans are like that all the time, is my understanding. But yeah, like that, but then turned up still like a few more notches. Yeah, like, just with more talking, cocaine you know, like, involved. Like, <laughs> yeah, like training training ground pitch invasions. Like that's that's the type of stuff. It's a lot more uh, on the fringes than it is at, uh, with Spurs. Yeah. Yeah, and just, uh, I don't know, that, that's like, we, we talk about what a bad place Spurs are, like, imagine if we'd blown it like that, like, that would be, like, like I don't know, like, like it's worth remembering, like, for everything that's been dull, for everything that's been, like, not clicking at Spurs, we're in third place, we're in the last 16 of the Champions League, like, you know, like, we have time to fix this. Yeah, you know, I really struggle to figure out where we as a collective or as a show kind of come down on this. Cause I think you and I are both very much like this sucks, but we're doing good. Um, I think like, you and I have hope. positive or negative. I think you and I have more hope that 
it'll get fixed to some degree. Whereas yeah, I think I Ben is slowly becoming radicalized and being become a Conte outer. I, mean, I don't want to yeah. speak for him, and I'm sure he'll be back next week to uh, Conte out and Levy out and also Harry Kane out. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's going to be forming FC Tottenham of Hotspur in a few weeks. Uh, I don't know. It's it's just for me. It's I mean, I've Nash. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast. I've never talked about it with you guys, but like you know, the sort of like. The team closest to my heart is a baseball team called the Orioles, who were very bad for a lot of my life, and I've just sort of had to learn to cope with that. And I think I naturally try to look for like positive signs, and definitely I, you know, I sort of know when I'm lying to myself. But like, there's a level at which you're trying to find. I, I think I've trained myself. I mean that that baseball team was like they didn't have a winning season for 14 years at one point in a row, and you just if you're going to keep paying attention to them, like you got to find some bright side, whether that's deluding yourself into thinking they're on a path to getting better or just focusing on a player or two who's doing really well or finding the humor. And I don't know. It's like, I try to be a little more upbeat than I think some Spurs fans do, or at least I find the relentless negativity, which I know is rich coming from me because I can certainly get down on this team at times, but there is a relentless negativity that I do find exhausting. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like generally we're more positive than most Spurs fans. I don't know about most Spurs podcasts. I only listen to like two or three of those. So. You muted. Damn it! I'm yeah. doing so well. <laughs> so much harder on a two-person show. You got you got you know all you people out there listening. You're like, how does he do this every week? He must be a real idiot. <laughs> um, it, first of all, and and you also have to remember that Greg does zero editing. So when this happens on all your other podcasts that you listen to, you have to remember that they're either either in studio um, where they have a producer there doing stuff or they have somebody who's kind enough to edit their podcast. We don't have either of those things. We just have Greg. So, you know, keep that in mind when you're like, this guy's an idiot. He's a horrible podcaster. But also those things are true. So where 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 do you fall on Spurs? Um, well, as an idiot and a horrible podcaster, uh, I, I I agree. Um, you know, my baseball experience is the Kansas City Royals, and it is uh. largely similar, with the exception of two very good years. Uh. Um, One of which at my team's expense. So. Yes, um, and Mets fans' expenses, which I'm sure is probably like at least ten percent of the podcast listeners out there. Um, you know, I. I Everything you said, I agree with because, you know, I, I think this can get better. I, I am trying to enjoy the good things. I'm trying not to get too bogged down in the, oh, this looks bad for X number of minutes and enjoy the fact that these are wins and we are in third. And this is, you know, matching up with my preseason expectations. Um, and like you just kind of trying to be hopeful that it's, it's going to improve even marginally. Um, because that would increase my enjoyment of it. Um, but like, this isn't a bad season yet. This is still good. Like these are, uh, this is where we wanted to be. Well, I would say, you know, it's really frustrating because I would say before the United match, I would say this was a team that looked like they hadn't gotten themselves in gear and were still figuring it out. 
And I think since the United match, we've been struggling a lot more. Or at least it looks like we're struggling a lot more. Maybe Now, again, maybe this is me lying to myself or telling myself stories before the United match. Because certainly some of these problems, you know, have a longer tail than that. But I definitely feel like, and I don't feel like it's just results. Because I think you look at some of these games. I mean, going down 2-0 to Bournemouth. Uh, the way we started against Marseille today. You know, I think you could see this team... Like, I think the struggles have gotten worse. And I think a lot of that you can tie to injuries. Uh, I, I, do, I do. I think that's not entirely... I mean, I don't think it's all of it, but I think that stretch, I think you can really tie into injuries. But the Injury, honestly, just Kulisevsky. Well, but that's been going on for a while. It's gotten worse. I think Romero just completely falling out of the team. You know, Charleston not being an option anymore. Um, you know, I mean, we're having issues with... I don't know, cycling some of our fullbacks around. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like, again, like we've seen the proof of concept and it's just, you know, I'm just hoping we can make whatever tweaks we want to make, get guys healthy over the course of the World Cup break. I mean, obviously some of these guys are not going to get healthy over the course of the World Cup break, but you know what I mean. And just, you know, we can sort of like make the tweaks we need to make in the second half because I do think it's going to be like a whole new season. And, you know, you just hope things go our way. Now, considering, like, the number of players in our first team who are going to the World Cup, I think that is a that is going to be a challenge. But I mean, it's just to me that, you know, this, this break isn't happening midway through the season. Like, it's happening a third of the way into the season. Yeah. But we'll, we'll have played 14 league matches by the time uh, we break. So just a little over a third. Like, that's insane to me. Well, we we still have more than sixty percent of the season to go, and yeah, I I don't know. I I just I choose to take joy from these good results, even if it only means we trying for a little bit of the game. Like I just it's I it, it's more fun for me if there's something at the end of the day that just like hey we didn't lose that's great um, that that just makes me feel better. I, and it'd be, I think it makes for better, you know, just ment- overall mental health. And uh, as we talked about the other week, healthy mental health thoughts. Um, if <laughs> healthy we mental are, health thoughts, exactly. Yeah, if we are if we're doing good things. Well, I can't think of a better note to end it on than there. Where can people find you online, Brian? You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. For as long as that still is working. You can find us on Twitter as a podcast at WDR Podcast. Uh, that is WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. And don't forget to leave us a nice five-star review on Spotify or iTunes or, I don't know, if you're listening to this through, like, pirated MP3 files off Pirates Bay, leave us a review there. I don't know. Um, for Brian, for Ben, I suppose, uh, and for Brett Rainbow, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs.